Hey, what's going on? It's Kyle Cruz of the KC at the Movies podcast, and welcome to everything I watched in April. It's April's turn. We're going to go through literally every single film I watched in April. Again, uh, there's not much again, but there is more than March. We'll say that. There's more than March. And I want to tell you guys about a, a very good TV show that I've been, um, that I've been watching. The second season of, and uh, that's just actually wrapped. So I'll be talking about that uh, later on. Why don't we start off by talking about a boy, a boy made in hell. Yeah, let's talk about Hellboy. Uh, Hellboy is probably the worst film I saw in April. Um, it's directed by Neil Marshall. It's written by Andrew Cosby and Mike Mignoia. It's got, and it's about Hellboy, who's um, played by David Harbour. And he is... You know, it's based on the graphic novels um, of Hellboy. And we, we've seen Hellboy before. It's, and it was directed by um, Guillermo del Toro. And then we got the Golden Army with that. And Hellboy used to be played by Ron Perlman, as we all know. But um, some producers got together and said, you know what? Let's make a Hellboy. Rate that rated R. And let's, you know, let's Let's go all out. Let's just go all all out on it. Fuck it. <laughs> so, you know. They've brought it out. It's Hellboy's Raylar. And everyone the trailers looked alright. It wasn't really that enticing, but the trailers were looking alright. And I was going in pretty optimistic. We'll say that. I was going in optimistic. Um so I'm just trying to remember what the fuck happens. <laughs> um, uh, the um, Hellboy pretty much is is brought to Earth by. I mean, this is this is how bad the movie is. I'm trying. I can't even remember it. He's born. His dad is played by Ian McShane, and um, you know he's got daddy issues because um, his dad's a human, and he's a little devil. He's got some horns, um, and uh, it's not even. I can't even. I can't even really put it together. <laughs> pretty much, a um, a sorceress is trying to pretty much take over the world. It's it's your whole you know end of the world thing. She's taking over, but she's also a monster, and she's the ha 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 villain or everything. That's it's a pretty by numbers film it's which is pretty unfortunate and very disappointing i thought this film was going to be pretty awesome especially with the um from david harbour don't get me wrong he's good as hellboy but um i don't know i see str- I, I struggled to talk or really start talking about it because i just didn't i don't know it doesn't really seem like there's a plot and things just happen a lot of things happen i would just say that a lot of things happening uh, the actions, you know, it's it's rated R. It's all gory and there's blood everywhere, swearing. I think it's just rated R for the sake of being rated R. Um, and which is, you know, the worst kind of rated R. Um, you can be rated R to show a mature story for, like, mature audiences and adults. But I think this film is just took the rated R kind of, uh, like, the, the namesake of being rated R and... And just going all out and using that and just saying, well, we've got that. Because I've seen it before in a lot of films you know, where they have that and they go, well, let's, it's right R now, so we can do whatever the fuck we want. 
we can like there could be heaps of blood, there could be heaps of swearing, and then you just swear, just swear every just every five minutes. Let's just swear in every sentence. Now I'm not talking about Wolf of Wall Street fucking swearing and stuff, but um, I'm talking like every now and then just have a character or that swears or just have everyone or just have everyone swear. Um, and then there's just you know violence that looks mindless and kind of looks like you want to turn your fucking brain off for a second. Um, that's why it kind of, the plot is definitely a second to what is supposed to be big set pieces and a lot of violent action. And, uh, yeah, it's just disappointing. I didn't like it. And, uh, uh, you don't need to go see it. I think it's out of the cinemas anyway, so, because of, because <laughs> of how belated this, uh, podcast is. But, um... Yeah, if it comes out, like, if you want to see it, fine, but I don't think it's really worth your time. Um, David Harbour was good, I'll just say that. I liked the giant scene. Fuck the spoil. I mean, fuck it, I'm spoiling anyway. There's a giant fight scene, uh, I won't get too much into it, but the, I liked that scene. And then it looks like they're setting up a sequel of the end, and please, why God, why are you doing that? And that's Hellboy. Um, next one I'll talk about is... Um, Unicorn Store, it played at TIFF, I believe, last year, or the year before, I think. I think it was the year before, last year. And it's um, it's written by Smith McIntyre, and directed by Brie Larson, who is Captain Marvel, as we all know, and then many other films, short and tall, four of them. And um, it's about Kit, who is, you know, is... I think she's is she's fired in the beginning from her job, I think. She wants to be an artist. She's a mad artist and she wants to be an artist. And she gets an invitation while she's at kind of like a meanwhile job. Um, kind of a mundane job, that's meant to say. Mundane job, like in the office, and there's a really, really, really pervy boss, um, who is border borderlines on sexual harassment. He, she gets an invitation from the um, the store owner of the unicorn store, as or as what they call him, the salesman, he's, as he's credited, who's played by Samuel L. Jackson. And he says that to Kit that she has to build a home for a unicorn because she's always been, she's always dreamed of unicorns. She's always wanted a unicorn. Whenever she, when she was young, she always wanted to have a unicorn as a pet. She had like a unicorn plush and everything. She fucking loves unicorns. <laughs> and um, yeah, so he gives her invitations, and she has she has to build a home for a unicorn. And then when she's built done building her home, she will be given her unicorn. So I was um, I was pretty excited for this one um, because you know as as you guys all know, I love Brie Larson. Um, love what she does. And uh, I was interested to see that this would be her directorial debut. I mean, when I saw some stills and everything, I was like, oh, this looks pretty interesting. It looks pretty fantastical. So I was, I was, um, but I was interested to see how, how it would go and like what the, um, like what the story is going to be about and how it's going to play out. And it's, it's an all right film. Um, it's, I'd say it's on, I don't want to sound like a big fucking douche, but it sounds like it's on Netflix for a reason. Um, it came out April 5th on, um, Netflix and, um, I, I, I just, I, it has got a lot of positive messages definitely about, you know, um, you know, living your life and just being who you are, being yourself. Um, 
we get a lot of that nowadays, really. But it's as it kind of lacks the substance, I think. Um, it's kind of it definitely is kind of style up the substance, but you cannot deny the air of positivity in this film. Um, it's very very uplifting, and. Um, I'd say if you've had like a shitty day or something like that, if you're you know having a shitty life, I guess, um, you know you can you can crack on this film and have a fun, have a smile. But um, in terms of just a film, I think it's I think it's very you know um, it's lacking substance. I think, and uh, there's I, I didn't really care. I I think I don't I didn't really care about the characters that much. I heard a little side story with. Um, uh, the guy she meets at the uh, the the uh, carpentry store. What's his name? Virgil. I didn't really care about that. Um, yeah, but I would just say it's a very positive film. I like the positive vibes in it. It's got a very uplifting message, and um, yeah, there's there's not many films that you know just have this much, just I guess colorfulness in their films. So um, as much as I didn't like it as an actual film I probably wouldn't watch it again but I think it wasn't a waste of time and I was very I was feeling good after it I was just feeling good so um yeah you can give it a go give it a try if you had a, you have a shit day you come back you've had a long day at work you want to just sit back and relax it's only 90 minutes um it's, it's nice and tight and uh, it's just a very happy film we don't get much of those uh, next, I want to talk about Shirkers, which is a kind of documentary, but also kind of a film as well, because you can kind of see what, like, what is, what Shirkers is all about, really. Um, it's about Sandy Tan, who, back in, I think it's 1992? Yeah, 1992, um, her friends make a road movie called Shirkers with this kind of um, guy from America, um, George Cardona. And um, because they've always been dreamed of being filmmakers. And uh, it's directed by Sandy Tan, written by Sandy Tan. It's about her, her mates, as I said. And because um, they're always dreaming about filmmakers and this guy kind of comes along and says, well, I'm going to help you guys make this kind of, this film, this road movie, this indie road movie they want to make in Singapore, the first of its kind in, in the 90s. And, um, you know, I'm going to make it, we're going to make it really, you know, make, make it good. We're going to make this a fucking film, right? And, uh, what happens is, um, he, he kind of vanishes with the footage. And then, um, it's all about the aftermath, I think, of that event. And Sandy interviews a lot of her friends, a lot of her people that she worked with on the production and, uh, like you find out how they're, how, you know, how their kind of side and perspective to it all, and and her, um, you know, her her input on it as well. I mean, she's got a lot of input really because she's the main character, and uh, she plays the main character in the film as well, Shirkers. And it's 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 a, it's a film. It's an adventure. I think it's she goes from let's say Singapore, America. I think she was talking about being in Arizona on point as well where she was trying to, she's trying to find, George trying to take her on a trip, he's kind of like her mentor really, as, as she's kind of wants to be an upcoming writer director, I need to stop saying kind of, because I'm going to shoot myself in the head, if I do it again, 
Um, yeah, and what happens is he just he just fucks off. He fucks off, and she can't find the footage. And then it's all about the events leading up to um, them recovering it years later. But it's all about how they get there, and everyone offers their thoughts and input on it. It's very interesting. Um, it's a very interesting film. It's on Netflix. If you want to check it out, I believe it's still on Netflix. Uh, it's very interesting. I thought Sandy was a very... I mean, she's a very... She's not black and white. She's a very grey girl. She's very positive at times. She's actually... She's very commanding at times. She's definitely got the personality of a director. And... Her friends definitely... Um, <laughs> I have things to say about that. Um, about her. And... Uh, this, this, the George Cardona character, he's, he is definitely like a character because it's kind of like an air of mystery to him. Um, and what they have to say about him is really, really interesting. I, th- I thought this was a very, very good film about, you know, making, making movies, making films, um, just doing them, even if they're not good or even if they're not, if you don't think they're finished. It's always good to have a finished film, always good to have, you know, what you want to present in, you know, in the best quality possible. But, you know, just having something done and making it and feeling like you've actually accomplished something. Um, I thought it was a really a good message about that. And I think filmmakers should watch this documentary because it does offer a lot of different perspectives and um, thoughts on filmmaking and what it is to make, especially to make indie films, especially to make amateur films and uh, what goes into that process. Very seriously, when I was... First of all, when I, when I was when I was when I was a kid, when I was a little whippersnapper, running around, running around the yard with a potato gun, trying to shoot a fucking James Bond movie with a Halo theme music, I I'd cut those together, put those on YouTube, and I just made them. I just fuck. I just made them. Uh, I remember my mate and I made a film about uh, books that come to life and kill you. And we called that the books appropriately. And then we had a um, oh, what was the other the other thing I made? Um, oh, okay. okay, this is this is this is kind of um, oversharing, I guess. But uh, I used to do when I was I think I was 11, 10 or eleven. I made you you know the uh, show um, Pimp My Ride on uh, I think it was was it MTV. Was it MTV? I think it was MTV. And uh, it was a pit my ride. And uh, because I like dogs so much, I created my own TV show called Pimp My Kennel. And uh, just pretty much dressed my dog's kennel in different items. And I put that, actually put that on YouTube. Uh, it's since been taken down, I think. But uh, that's what I used to do. That's what I'm talking about. Amateur filmmaking. Just fucking making something and putting it out there. I remember I made... I was I was um, inspired by... This is really ironic because I don't really like the dude. But you Bowl made a film called Rampage. And I don't know why, but I've re-watched that film many times. And it's... it's Now that I look at... It, since I went to film school and learning about a lot of things about the director and writer, it's a fucking terrible film. But... Um, at the time, especially this the, the the hairdressing scene, I thought it was hilarious. But it is about a guy that just kills his whole town, and it's not that funny. But 
there there is those moments in there that are I don't know if they're supposed to be funny or they're not funny, but I laugh my fucking ass off. Because all these people, they're not, they don't feel like people or citizens. They're just cannon fodder for this dude just to kill and fucking knock down. Um, I made a sequel to that called Rampage White Dwarf. And I built a um, I built a suit, which was literally just foam from boxes. I had a white shirt, white pants. I think it was just my board shorts, actually. And then I had a kind of, um, I had a helmet, I think, and sunglasses. And uh, my brother was in it. He was supposed to be a civilian. And I just literally did the same thing, but did it in my suburb. And had different, my some of my friends and everything, and just volunteered to help uh, be in the film. And uh, it was shit. It was very shit. But I shot it. I edited it. In uh, Movie Maker, classic, classic Movie Maker back then. Put it in Movie Maker, edited it, and then made a cut of it. And it's available on a DVD somewhere. I don't think it's up on YouTube. I think I've put it on a DVD. Because I used to do, what I used to do was I used to make DVDs and put like covers on the DVDs. And um, it was ridiculous, but um, I did it on the, I think it was this program you can get. Is it literally called CD cover? I don't know. But you got an image. And I used to just grab images off um, Word and do paint before I really dabbled in Photoshop. And I think I'm pretty good at Photoshop right now. But um, I used to do it in paint. Um, or you can do it in GIMP as well, but I did it in paint. And just put images together and then pop, pop them onto a CD cover or a DVD. Or if it was a DVD, DVD hard disk, blank format disk. And then I put the movie on that. I create a little menu and shit and then put that and then used to watch that on the TV. That's what I used to do. I used to make films like that and then put them on a, a disc and then, you know, we watched them on the TV and be like, oh, fuck, yeah, that was great. Even though, <laughs> even though they were terrible. <laughs> but that's what I'm trying to say. This film really encourages that kind of style, um, uh, that kind of amateur filmmaking and just, just the whole notion of even if you think it's a bad film, you've still accomplished something and you've still made something. So put it out there. See what people think of it. If it's bad... If, if people, you know, come back to... I mean, knowing the internet nowadays, you're going to expect a lot of fucking unnecessary vitriol. But... Um, just do it. Just put it out there. And then you learn... You, you, like, you learn from that and you make even better films. Because I think... Sandy made that, Shirkers, in 1992. And now she's produced a very professional-style documentary that is about that. And the filmmaking has dramatically improved, um, dramatically, Dr- drastically improved. And uh, the shots she uses are great. I liked how it's cut and edited together. It's a very interesting and very unique documentary that I've I've never seen anything like it before. And um, I really enjoyed it. But it's still not better than the, my top five. So um, let's get to those. Let's get to the top five. Oh, Shirkers is on Netflix, by the way. Did I mention that? It's on uh, Netflix right now. It should be still there. I was when I still when I last checked, it was still there. So if you want to check out Shirkers, it's on Netflix. Especially if you're a filmmaker, do check it out. Let's go to the top five. Let's do it. What are we running at here? We're running at uh, nine ten minutes. Sorry, we should be done in about ten. Let's have a look at the top five. All right, my my fifth film of April. 
is The Man Who Killed Hitler and then The Bigfoot. It's directed by Robert D. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that last name. I'll just say Krukowski. Sorry, mate. And written by Robert D. Krukowski. Chris Krasikis? Yeah, it's so weird. I can't say that. Because I'll butch the shit out of that. And uh, it stars Sam Elliott of Calvin Barr. And he is an American war veteran that successfully assassinated Hitler. And then he's he's trying to live his life out. He's, he's trying to... He's living the post-retiree life. And he's approached by the government, who are called the Flags. I think they're called... Yeah, they're properly... Um, I won't say properly, cleverly credited as Flag Pen. Um, Rod Livingston is, is, is in this as well as the Flag Pen as the... Let's say they're kind of your CIA agents that want something done for them. So they've seen Calvin. And they're like, well, you've killed Kit. We've killed Hitler. We've got some problems with the Bigfoot. We want you to kill him. And um, I thought this movie was good. I... Um, it's get mixed. It's got mixed reactions. Some people really like it. Some people really hate it because it's a very, very slow film for a for a ninety eight minute movie. Um, it's incredibly slow uh, because it doesn't just. You look at a you look at a title that's called "The Man That Killed Hitler" and the Bigfoot, and you do get that. You get him killing Hitler, but do you get him killing Foot, Bigfoot? Well, I'll let you find that out. But you do get him killing Hitler because you know that he's done that. So I don't. That's not a spoiler. Um, that's that's there. So that happens, and then it's all about the you know how he gets there, how he gets the killing Bigfoot. And I thought it was just a very interesting character study of um, Calvin Barr, who's played brilliantly by Sam Elliott, and um, love Sam Elliott in, in most things really, except the ranch. Um, love him. So I thought it was more of a character study, and he's he's just a man who's done something. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to be he doesn't want to be called a hero. He doesn't want to be that hero. He doesn't want to carry that. Uh, I guess carry that um, success. I guess that's a weird way of saying it, but have that success of being the hero and being known that the man that killed Hitler. Nobody knows that he did it because he was a undercover... Um, you know, he was an undercover water veteran. That's how we killed him. Um, it's... Because he he is... Questions asked. Oh, right. He definitely is a man that has been... Um, you know, controlled by the upper, I mean, the upper echelon of, like, his commanders and the people that were in charge of him before. It's a film about taking orders, I think, and just having no questions asked and how much that takes a toll on a person, especially you do get to see the kind of, uh, the degradation of Calvin's psyche over the film. And, um, he kind of lives his life routinely. He's kind of over it, but then he's reproached by the, them to kill Bigfoot and there, the problems arise again of what he did. He has constant flashbacks of what he did. He had a... Um, something happens with his family. He's got a beautiful little dog. A good fucking boy. Good boy. Who's... Um, he's a good boy. 
And, uh, you know, he's just a, he's just an old man who lives alone with his dog. Really is. He really is just an old man who lives alone with his dog, but has a legendary story behind him. Um, and I thought it was, the film was funny that it kind of poked at that as well. It kind of pokes fun at being a legend and having such a great story of, of how, of how, you know, it, that those events happened and how people can embellish those kind of details and, um, tell a different, you know, tell a different story using that extreme embellishment and just saying that, Oh, well, let's say for example, like he killed Hitler and then, but it's like how he killed him. So it's not just like a, you know, a quick shot to the head. Which is, I'll say the death is actually like kind of straightforward and kind of um, mundane. But people are saying like, oh, like, let's just say, for example, people say, oh, he got a machine gun and shot him in the face like 16 times. Or he got a knife and stabbed him 20 times in the eye. Or he was in a tank and then he blew up the fucking the Nazi house. And I, I don't know what they were called. I don't, I'm, not a, I'm not a bloody historian. Blew up the house of the Nazis and then Hitler was inside. He got a flamethrower and burnt that motherfucker alive while I was in the... Um, while he was in the law, the um, war room, he put a bomb under his desk, and then he opened the drawer. It fucking blew up. I'm just kind of saying it was like that because we've had we've had that before. We we know people that tell those kind of stories. Hell, just for the fucking fun of it, sometimes I embellish details of my own stories, but they're still true. But it's the details. They're little embellishments. I wouldn't go as far as embellishing what happens in this movie, but. Sometimes you, you've got to you got to spin a better story so you can get a bit of a reaction. Um, so I thought it was great how the film addressed all that stuff and definitely was more about the man than the legend. I think, and that was really cool. Um, it's also gorgeously shot, um, has great composition, and. Um, I, I literally could see the shot list in front of me. It was, it was beautiful, beautiful stuff. But there are some... I've got some problems with it. Um, I think the action is very bad. Uh, it's very poorly shot. So when it comes to the scenes about the man, it's it's shit. But when it comes to the scenes about the legend and who he is and his hero, it's terrible. I think it's really bad. It's it's very poorly shot. It's got this weird kind of shaky cam going on. It's... And it's just shit. <laughs> it's it's honestly just shit. Um, it's it's yeah, it's just weirdly edited as well. Cut different. It's very um, abrupt. Very abrupt pacing. Very fast. And um, yeah, I just I just it's just so weird for have to have all those scenes focusing on the man and then having the action be shit. I don't know if that was intentional. Because it's a very drastic change in filmmaking. So I don't know if that was intentional or that was... Because it's just very, very... Um, it's a, it's high. It's very high contrast to what you see with these slow scenes. And then you get to the action and it's just this whole new bag. It looks very amateur as well. So I don't know what is going on there. Um, but yeah, as I said, it's a very, it's a very slow film for a 90 minutes. And I did, I did, I do wish it got to the action a bit quicker, but I did, I did actually enjoy and pay attention to those scenes of Calvin and what he's been through because it's, it's really more about the man than the legend, as I said. So, um, check it out if you want to, um, if you love Sam Elliott, um, I recommend it, but just be warned that it is, it is pretty slow. So, um, 
be wary of that. Right, number four is um, people struggle to call this one a film, but it is labeled as a film. Uh, Donald Glover has said that this is a film. Um, and it's almost an hour, so I guess you could say it's not a short film either. So it's, it is a feature, a very short feature. It's Guava Island. Um, this was released at Coachella, where Charles was performing. And um, it's, again, it's a, it's, a, it's a really positive message about, excuse me, about, um, you know, following your dreams and, you know, um, living peacefully. I'll say that, living peacefully. Um, I liked the songs, the music. It was really cool to, to hear Saturday. This is definitely a film for um, Childish Gambino fans, Donald Glover fans, and who follow him as an artist and follow him as an actor as a pretty much a jack-of-all-trades. Um, it's written by Donald. It's written by Stephen, his brother, and uh, directed by Hiro Murai, who does pretty much all of Atlanta, and also directs a few episodes, I mean, most episodes of Barry as well, which I'll get to in a minute. Uh, but I like the music. I like the scenes. I like I like the live version of. Um, it felt like the live version of um, "This Is America." That was really cool. It was, it was really cool to hear Saturday. Because um, that's that's a good that's a really groovy song. Um, just wish I just wish he'd released that. I wish we just released that already. But um, yeah, it's very short. Um, and I wish Rihanna had more songs. I wish she was just played more of a part to it. That's my only con. Is just I wish she played more of a part to it. Um, she has, I wish she had more, like, a, maybe a song, um, or a few, a few songs, really, and just, or just had, was just more of a presence, because I just feel like she's kind of like an, I mean, it feels weird to say, but it feels like an afterthought, she's, it's more focused on, um, Demi, is it Demi? Yeah, Demi, and, um, she's... I mean, it's fucking Rihanna. She's a singer. Like, have her sing. She's a good actress. She's she's good acting, but I, I think she was... I, I reckon she could have been... Um, added a few songs to it as well. Um, but I will say, it's, it's a nice film. Um, it's shot in this nice kind of 4x3, or... I don't know. I think it's a bit... Actually, I think it's a bit larger than that. It's a bit grainy as well. And it's set on the... And the, the island is beautiful. It's a beautiful island. Um, I think it's shot in, I think it's shot in Hawaii, I think. Um, where's my, where's the, uh, filming locations? Ah, it's Cuba, sorry. Not Hawaii, Jesus. Um, it's shot in Cuba, it's, it's a really, really lovely location. I like how he puts a nice film gram on it, and, um, I like, I like the positivity of it again. It's, it's really, really nice. And even, like, people who don't even like Donald or Charles Kimbana, I think they can enjoy it as well. Mum, I, mum actually sat down with me and watched it as well, so... Um, I think you would enjoy it, but I'm pretty satisfied as a childish fan and a Donald Glover fan to get kind of like something like this. But as a film, I think it Rihanna needed to be a bit be in it more. I didn't really, I did care about them, but I, I wish I cared about them more. Um, but I'm 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 pretty happy with what I got. So, and I enjoyed it. I had a good time. I I've watched it twice. So there you go. Uh, number three is Wildlife. Which um, now this, this next three I've already talked about, so I'm gonna I'm gonna skip them and get to Barry. Um, 
But uh, yeah, wildlife we've already talked about. I talked about wildlife and high life um, before the um, Avengers podcast, the Marvel podcast that I did. It was the one before that one. So if you want to if you want to hear some thoughts about wildlife. It's on that podcast, and if you want to hear a thoughts about my number two, High Love, written, written, written and directed by Claire Denis, it's on that podcast as well. Um, I also talked about wildlife on Instagram, so if you follow my personal on Instagram, um, you'll be able to do it. You'll be able to um, look at it there. Um, hang on a second. You'll be able to look at it there. So I'm not going to get into too much detail with those because I've already talked about them. And um, if you want to get their um, details, head to that podcast and listen to that. You get that there. Because I want to get to talking about this show. Um, and number one is Avengers Endgame. So if you want to hear all that about that, there is a fucking two-parter podcast you can listen to. <laughs> get all my thoughts on that. Part one is all about Endgame, so listen to that. It's called the another, another podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, part one. Avengers, Avengers Endgame full breakdown listen to all of that all my spoiler thoughts on that I also did non-spoiler thoughts on that on the podcast again it was called Endgame Life where I talked about high life and wildlife but I also talked about Endgame in non-spoiler form so you can check it out there um, and that's it those are my top 5 so number 1 Avengers Endgame number 2 High Life number 3 Wildlife number 4 Guava Island 5 the man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot. And that's it. That's, that's my top five. And that'll be going up on my Instagram uh, tomorrow. You can check it out there. People that follow me on Instagram can go check that out and uh, get my thoughts there. Right. I want to finish off this one by talking to you guys about a very, very good TV show that I've been watching um, since last year, really. Um, very good TV show. That I've been watching since last year. Um, season one it aired last year, and then season two aired while Game of Thrones aired this year, and season two was amazing. Um, it's another HBO show. It's called Barry, and it's um, created by Bill Hader and Alec Berg, and it's about a hitman named Barry who becomes an actor who is interested. I, I'll say he gets interested in acting. When he stumbles in this acting class, who is um, taught by uh, Gene Cousineau, played wonderfully by Henry Winkler. And uh, he's definitely a, one of my favorite characters in the show, Barry being number one, because Bill Hader has really come a long way, man. He's if you, if you thought his SNL days were, you know, he was just the man of SNL, God fucking damn it. His acting on Barry is awesome. And I think he's done a really, really, really good job with this show. Um, it's most episodes are also directed by Hiro Mirai, who did um, most of Atlanta, and then N Guava Island, who is a very, very close collaborator with Donald Glover. And um, yeah, his directing's like all over the shop. It's 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 all over the episodes. Sorry, not all over the shop. That sounds like it's a messy directing. Um, You've got a great cast of characters as well. You've got here Sally played by Sarah Goldberg. You've have uh, Fugues or Fuchs, Fuchs, Fuchs. I think it's Fuchs. I think played by Stephen Root, who you'll see in most comedy films. He's also in Brooklyn Nine Nine as um, Charles's father, and uh, he's in a lot of comedy films. You might know him as also from Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates with uh, Adam Devine and uh, Zac Efron. 
But you, if you find a you, one of these recent years comedy films, Stephen Root will be in there somewhere. He's a very funny dude. And um, he mostly f- plays comedic characters or sometimes he's kind of the straight man, but also kind of does funny things. Um, but in this one, he's a mean motherfucker in Barry. He is a mean motherfucker and he is the big boss. Um, it's a very, very interesting character study about a man who has lived a past life, who has who has had a past of, of killing, really, of, of, of doing horrific things under the command of... It's, it's, it's kind of like the Bigfoot movie. It's, it's doing horrific things under the command of someone else. I mean, even, even uh, there's an episode that focuses on his first kill, and it's just brilliant. Um, and then him coming back, trying to fight with those feelings of doing those things doing what that person says or doing what the person that is in charge of you says and just trying to be your own person. It's about, I think it's about what season two really was about to me. It was, can a person change? And um, season two really, really explores that, especially after what happens in the season one finale, which I will not spoil, of course, but it's brilliant. And in season two finale, just fucking knocked me out of my chair um, after, especially after that kind of disappointing Game of Thrones finale, um, the Barry finale was just made up for it. It very it, it cured the sickness. <laughs> um, it's very it's very brutal. It's very violent. It's definitely like R rated, so you wouldn't watch. It's on HBO for God's sake. Um, but it's also very funny. But it, it's it's natural with its comedic moments. It knows when to go for a laugh, and it knows when to go for a very serious moment where the, it, it wants the audience member to pay pay attention to this because this you know th- like this is fucked um i wish i could articulate it better than that but um this is important like this is we don't want to go we don't want to f- be funny here i remember i remember bill Hader said in an interview where he there's a scene where um this is a minor spoiler for season one there's a scene where i'll say minor spoiler because it doesn't really hurt the plot at all really there's a scene where Barry is killing this guy in a backyard and um, he's just trying to strangle him in a backyard and he's in a, he's in a, he's in a backyard and it's surrounded by like kind of children's toys and, and, and a um, uh, playhouse and he's strangling him and he's like he's killing him as he's strangling him and um, that's what happens like it shows the whole thing and that's what happens now Bill Bill said that he went he pitched that to the studio. I think it was, I think it would would have been HBO. And the producers said that, wouldn't it be funny because he's pitching this as kind of like a comedy drama or a drama, dramedy, um, action film, action show. Wouldn't it be funny if he used one of the toys to, um, kill the, kill the dude. It would be funny. And Bill said, no, I want this moment to be serious. And, um, that's when he explained that. And then especially after seeing that film with, with that context now, with that kind of, with a different context, I guess, because when I watched the scene, I was like, Oh shit, that's brutal. And then after hearing about why he wanted to do that scene like that, um, which you can listen to as well. He, he like interviews as, um, podcasts, you can find him. It's, it's, it's really well done. Especially after watching that, because I, I, I think I heard him talk about it first. 
No, I, I did. He was on Bill Burr's podcast, and he talked about it first, and then I watched the scene, and I was like, okay, I see why he did that, and it's better that he went for that, because the show the show knows when to go with it, with it, with a tone, really. It knows when to be serious. It knows when, to, when it wants to have inject its funny moments, but it's definitely a, a, a serious show about a man that wants to change, a man that wants to do something different with his life. And um, it's... It's so good. It's so fucking good. Check it out. It's on HBO. It's finished at the moment. So season two just wrapped up on Sunday. In America. Monday here. And with the Game of Thrones finale. So season two just wrapped up. And um, I I think it got renewed for season three. Uh, let me just double check. I fucking hope it did. <laughs> uh, here we go. Yes, it got renewed for season three. Excellent. So it's been renewed for season three. Very good show. If you like Bill Hader, watch it. If you like, um, you also got um, Noho Hank, who's really funny as well. Captain and Noho Hank, who Barry is involved with his kind of um, his past life. Um, he has his little moments in there as well. Uh, season one's good, but I think season two is even better, especially the episodes Ronnie and Lily and the finale Berkman over Block. Um. It's really, really, really good. Really good shit. It's one of the best television shows on right now, I think. And um, you should really check it out. I will sing its praises on the rooftops. It's a really, really good show. Um, and I know I need to watch Chernobyl and stuff like that. But, you know, at the moment, Barry's my um, thing. But it's finished now, so I'll get to Chernobyl. So you can shut the fuck up about it. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. But do check out Barry. It's, a, it's an excellent show. And um, if you like drama, mix them in a bit of comedy, you like a bit of action, brutality, and um, Bill Hader. He's a big part of it because he's the main character. Check it out. Barry. 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 Hey, Barry. All right, I'm done. So that's it, guys. That is the April, um, the must watch, the best of. Or everything I watched in April. Um, so this podcast will be available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can follow on Spotify. And ladies and gentlemen, get on Instagram and follow KC at the Movies. KC Movies Podcast. Sorry, not at, because Instagram doesn't let you have the at. Uh, get on Instagram, follow KC Movies Podcast. And that is where you're going to find every single update when the podcast is uploaded, any updates or anything like that. I'd put a story on tonight putting saying that there's going to be two episodes of the podcast up tonight. So do check that out. I wanted to go... I did want to go shorter than this, but um, ended up just really getting into shit, didn't I? It happens every time. It happens every time. Um, and that's it. That'll, that'll do. Um, also, tonight will be uploaded will be the regular podcast. Um, regular scheduled podcast and uh it's going to be about game of the game of thrones finale so settle in for that sorry about it but i need to talk about it i need to talk about it uh, i need i need to definitely talk about that uh so settle in for that guys thanks for listening thanks for supporting the thing make sure you get on the apple podcasts subscribe get on spotify follow it or if you listen to on castbox like as you're doing at the moment um that's fine too. That's fine too. Love it. And that's it. 
So, um, again, Game of Thrones will be coming out. Uh, Game of Thrones finale podcast will be coming out tonight. And um, I'll see you then. All right, take care.